Howdy folks, this is Scott Parker and you're listening to episode 35 of the ZappaCast for December of 2017. It's Zappadon, ladies and gentlemen, and what better way to celebrate Zappadon this year than with our very, 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 very special guest that we have on the phone. Uh, the man himself, the head of the Zappa Family Trust, and a wonderful human being. Ladies and gentlemen, Ahmed Zappa! Yay! <laughs> it is a privilege to be here. <laughs> it's definitely great to have you here. We've been we've been trying, you know, to get you on the show for a while, and I'm just glad that we could bother you for an hour of your time or so. I'm happy to do it, and you know, it'd be fun to do more of these. I really have been looking forward to this. I think you do a great job. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> well, we try, you know, because um, we never, obviously, you know, we've had Dweezil on the show uh, quite a while ago, several years ago. I never did get Gail. I tried, <laughs> but I couldn't I couldn't get her on the show. So it's just, it's delightful to have you here, and I, I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate everything you do. And, and we got you on a good day, actually, because a new box set was just announced today. It's, uh, and it's... You know, I, I mean, I, I'm totally biased, of course, but I think the the Roxy box is really awesome for people that are completist and certainly like that era of um, Frank's career. Which, and I, I'm a huge that that's like that's like the sweet spot for me. Yeah, um, I love this this box set. Love it. Yeah, I think it's seven CDs. I haven't even gotten my hands on one of one of the um, the boxes yet. So, oh, really? You know, I've been living with uh, you know all the art and all the music and you know all the stuff that goes into actually making it, but I still haven't seen um, a finished product. So I'm anxious to see how the silver tones and things pop on the box. You do the design on these things. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, I'm uh, with um, with Mike Mesker, and it really is a you know group effort here at Zappa Records. You know, it's it's people that have been working on this stuff far longer than I certainly have. You know, I'm I'm very much a newbie. You know, just was kind of thrust into the day to day because of my my mom's passing. But uh-huh. you know, it's it's people I've gotten to know. Over the years, obviously, I played in a band with Joe Travers. Yep. So I love him to pieces, and you know everyone else here, Melanie Holland, and you know Mike and other other individuals. Yeah, they're I mean it's, they're fabulous people that work yeah. over there, and you have yeah. a great team. Yeah. I think that's probably the most important thing, especially around this holiday season, when you can you know just just only look at the surface and not below it. You know what I mean? Well, that's it. So. Are these these projects, I mean, you know, you could tell that there's a lot of love for the music that is being put into the projects, and they're not, it's not just product, you know what I mean? That That's the impression that I get. Like, when I look at a box like Halloween and the way you packaged it, it's not just product, you know, it's an, ex, you know, it's its own experience, to me, anyway. I'm glad you feel that way. I mean, I can tell you, at least my approach on all of these things, all the stuff that we've been working on, not having again any you know real involvement prior to my you know my mother's passing sure um you know i got involved in the day to day a little bit before um you know she passed and uh, in other aspects of the business but gail was always really focused on all the artwork um, cuz she loved that she was you know that was a real, that was a creative outlet for her and you know i like that stuff too 
So just interfacing, you know, my personality versus other people that have been, again, working with Gail for a very long time. Um, it became this, it's, it's hard to sort of quantify. I mean, it's just such an emotional challenge to, sure. to make any of the product for so many different reasons. I, I mean, starting with Frank, there's the benefit of being able to hear the audio. And I still constantly marvel at um, the amount of music that Frank generated and how incredible all the musicians are and, and how amazing the performances are. Yeah. So, you know, when you're going into the vault and listening to the audio um, and, you know, it, it, I, again, I'm constantly astounded by what we hear on these tapes. And a lot of it for me is stuff that I, I really had no idea existed. So it's, it's truly being a treasure hunter, and I've lived with the uh, Roxy and Elsewhere record for so long. You know, I, I, that was just always in my, you know, CD player. And, sure. You know, I, I just felt like I knew everything about it just because it was just around. And it, 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 it just, that was that record. And, you know, I never, you know, it's not like we talked about the history of where did the tapes come from and, you know, uh, what, what else was recorded that night? I'm thinking about what was he doing personally? Uh, you know, what was my mother doing? And, and then when you hear all these, you know, alternate versions of things and having my first project that I really dove into with my mother, uh, you know, being the, the uh, Roxy, the movie, uh-huh. uh, and seeing some of the video images, um, and this is like the most long-winded way of, I guess, kind of talking about uh, the art process. But, you know, first, it's just this an emotional you know, bombardment of the audio. And then as you try to uh, uh, look for pictures of that time, you know, that went into the box, like, hey, do we have any behind-the-scenes photos? Or, you know, who was there? Uh, who's writing uh, liner notes? You know, in hearing all of these stories, it really, for me, it, it's almost like I'm newly experiencing, you know, the music again. You know, it paints this picture, right? So yeah. we're, we're coordinating it, uh, curating it, organizing it so it can fit into a package and all of those things. So there's so many iterations before it, it finally, uh, you know, takes its final shape and goes out into the world for, for, uh, for, Zappa fans hopefully to enjoy. Um, but, you know, every iteration and every, you know, moment spent uh, looking at it is, for, for me, it's, a, it's, a, it's reconnecting with my dad and with my mother because, uh, again, the process for her of knowing how many records she put out, how much artwork she was involved in, you know, involved with in generating, you know, I find myself doing, doing these things. And it's, it's still, for me, very surreal. And, kind of keeps the loss of losing both of your parents in a, in a good way. And also in a, maybe in a bad way that, that they're gone. Um, it's just always at the surface of everything that I'm doing right now, you know? And so that's it for me on a personal level. But then, you know, when I take a step back and look at it from a business point of view, it's really about, you know, what, what I what I hope fans understand and, and what I really want to start doing a better job of is is this dialogue with with Zappa fans um, 
because you know we're we're more organized than I think Gail ever was, uh, and certainly after her passing, the, the the first things I implemented were putting a lot of these assets that we have into a content management system that allows us to you know do things faster, sure. right? So I really I really want to get to a point to where you know someday maybe a fan will call up the hotline, jump on the phone, and is like, hey, I'd like to hear this concert, and be like, all right, let me serve it up to you, and then have that, you know, be right there at their fingertips, you know, as quickly as possible, within moments. I mean, not a fully done package, but, you know, I'm trying to get to this place to where everything is super optimized, and, you know, we're looking at things to create better fan experiences, for sure. So we're always, I'm always trying to come at it from uh, a fan's point of view, because uh, we listen to what they talk about. Uh, certainly, when when people write on on Zappa.com, and you know when they express what they're interested in, you know we see all that, and that's you know I love hearing that good, bad, you know all of it. Yeah. Because you know it helps us to have a better understanding of what people's appetites are, you know, out there. And honestly, it's it's thrilling. You know, I loved everyone's reaction to the Halloween box. You know, I was really hoping that people would enjoy that. And, you know, I, I have my fingers crossed that people will enjoy the Roxy box, too. I ate a hot dog. It tasted real good. Then I watched a movie from Hollywood. Peasants in this area called Frunobulax has just been seen approaching the power plant. Bullets can't stop it. Rockets can't stop it. We may have to use nuclear force. Everyone is advised to go to the shelter at once. Yeah. And the horrible eye. And the horrible eye. 
I think they definitely will, because I don't know if you know this, but you know that people trade bootlegs, and a lot of your father's shows are out there for people to trade, mostly in very bad quality, you know. Uh, but these Roxy, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but these Roxy shows have never surfaced. They're all stuff that uh, the majority of the stuff on those tapes is stuff that nobody has heard outside of you guys and outside of Frank. You know, nobody has ever heard that stuff. So um, it's just an amazing tree. We really try to be as hands-off with the, the music as possible. You know, we, we try to preserve it and bring it to everyone in the highest possible quality available, you know? Yeah. And and this stuff was, you know, in good shape. And, and I just, I think it sounds awesome. You know, Craig did a really good job. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, I was going to ask you, when Gail passed, did she give you, or before she passed, did she give you a a kind of roadmap in terms of what releases she thought you should do, or 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 does this come from your head, basically? Um, no, there was there was never um, a sit down or roadmap. There was more about uh, wrapping our heads around things that Gail kind of held back or that were, I, I think she always had plans to put them out, but just some, some things that just haven't come out that were for various reasons, either overly emotional for her, you know, or just didn't get around to, to doing it. So, uh, you know, let me, let me try to be a little more clear about that. So, you know, for every release that we do, um, until I kind of came on board and, you know, figured out some, um, some more economical partnerships, you know, everything was, we would do a release. The money that was made from that release enabled us to do another release. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we were, we were paying for all the production costs. And so when people would talk about not having a consistent amount of Zappa content out there, which is wonderful that people want it, I don't think people really have an understanding of the day-to-day and the nuts and bolts of, okay, the monies have to come in. And, you know, when we are investing in a piece of content over here, it might affect our ability to put out this piece of content over there. So, you know, again, this sort of balancing act. And I got to say, when we partnered with Universal, it really gave us a lot more flexibility to you know, not only speak to the Zappa fans that, you know, in, in our normal fashion through Zappa.com and doing out, you know, messaging through our socials that there's new product out there, 
it it helped us with Universal because they have a much larger ecosystem and they've been great partners. So and it also takes a little bit of the burden off of when we put out a release. You know, in in terms of timing, uh, we can do more and and plan out our releases. Which I don't know that Gail. I can't speak to it because I was never involved in that. She, she, when I got involved, she passed away. So I don't, um, I don't think she ever held the meetings I would have, which were, okay, team, what do we think all of our releases should be for this year? And let's just work hard and in a, in a timely fashion and budget everything out and, and just, and go for it. And I think one of the big differences and, and why we can put out content in a, in a more steady fashion is that, you know, in my mother's lifetime, you know, she also lived off of, you know, as revenues were coming in, you know, that was her core business and that's how she made a living. And I don't, you know, I don't take a salary to do any of these things. I do this as a labor of love because I have other businesses. And so to me, there's just kind of doing these things. We can make, we can make more product. I just hope people like it. I hope people are getting the vibe the difference between the way Gail would put things together, the way I've been putting things together. Maybe they feel similar. I don't know. I, I, I don't have a sense of that yet. But maybe maybe you have an opinion. I'm curious as you know, seem to be a big, huge fan. You know. <laughs> what do you, what do you think of the things that have come out since uh since Gail's passing? I love them. I really do. And I'm not just saying that. I really I really love what you've done with the packaging. And uh I just think that uh Gail did a great job, of course, also, but um, you've sort of elevated it to be... Like, for example, the Halloween box. As a kid who grew up in the late 70s and in the 80s, because I was born in 71, you know, if you're a kid of a certain age, you know exactly what that that packaging is. And I just thought it was so neat, you know, and so perfect that, you know, I'm not sure if people in Europe really get what that was or you know had to have it explained to them or whatever but there's just something about that i really value you know i mean that was the goal i love hearing you say that i mean i i was born in 74 so you know when you <laughs> when you grow up with the cheesiest uh halloween costumes and the fact that my mom and dad talked about like the cheesier the better you know with certain things you know uh, there's there's something more enjoyable with with a extra you know heightened dose of cheesiness. Yes. So, um, I, I really you know I thought and I, I I could be wrong. I seem to recall as a kid at one of the Halloween shows that someone had a Frank Zappa mask and uh, you know it's it's I don't think it it takes a rocket scientist to come up with the idea. Uh, okay, it's Halloween and people buy masks and wear Halloween costumes and the fans would, you know, did that uh, at his shows. It, it, to me, it was like the rock and roll version of Let's Make a Deal, which is my favorite game show. Um, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, I, don't we have, you know, I seem to recall someone, you know, putting this, this Frank Zappa mask. So anyone who's listening out there, we couldn't find a reference, you know, to to a Frank Zappa mask. I was like, well, let's, let's try to see if we can actually, if, if it, you know, with the costing exercise, see if we can make a super awesome Frank Zappa costume. And then, you know, making the USB stick like a piece of candy and, uh, you know, having it reference one of Frank's songs and, you know, all of those things. Um, 
but uh, you know, we got we got the mask and the outfit. Uh, there's like the first version of it. The the actual outfit would have fit a hippopotamus. It was, I mean, the scale of it was way way wrong in comparison to the mask, and you know, and it's like finding a place that can even do that, yeah, that can be affordable uh, at the at the you know numbers that we were talking about. That was that was a stressor, but. Uh, I could not honestly be more proud of that that box. And my intention is to have, you know, more of these since we have all of these other Zappa shows. So I, I want to try to, you know, if possible, pull off every year doing another special edition mask, special different outfit with it, different kind of, you know, candy bar reference. Yeah. You know, just, you know. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I have some ideas on what the the future masks uh, will will look like but yeah you know i'm a i'm a big nerdy kid so me too that's totally in my wheelhouse it's it's kind of like when i first um heard because the first album that i heard of frank's was freak out and you know as a dorky little geeky teenage kid i listened to that album and i said wow here's a guy who gets me you know and this is like 20 years after it came out or something you know so it's kind of silly but that's how and so when i see the packaging that you have i i for for these releases i said you know th- this this understands me <laughs> well hopefully i, I won't uh, disappoint you and hopefully other people will enjoy it too but because we have lots of other cool things you know on the horizon um and i i gotta say i didn't know how much i would love doing the vinyl and working on those those releases because i wasn't such a huge vinyl collector and you know i caught the bug uh, you know, going back a few years now, but it's a whole different world when you know how the sausage is made, right? And you can make those choices to, to be like, all right, well, I look at records now and, you know, we, we try to obviously put out the best product that we can. Yeah. And I just see inferior product out there just sonically. And again, the pride and certainly with, you know, Joe Travers, man, I mean, this, this guy, He's an amazing musician. He's a really dear friend of mine. Yes, I, I just I, I love him to pieces. He's such an odd character, and I mean that in the most celebratory, best way. You know, good guy, and 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 he really he really cares. That's that's the whole that's the whole trick of this business is you have to, you know, you have to give a shit, and I certainly do, and everyone here is just very passionate about. Frank and and the things that we that we make.
did I ever tell you that Gail offered me a job once? No. Yeah, she did. She never told me what the job was. She only said that there was a title I would have to assume with dignity. <laughs> and I never found out what the job was. <laughs> well, I, 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 you know, let me try to make good on that. I, you know, I'm so impressed with your, uh, you know, your podcasts. I think we should anoint you and, you know, make your podcast the official Zappa podcast and put them up on the on the site. Would you be willing? Would you would, would you be interested? I would be more than interested. I'd be delighted to do that. Dream come You'd true. You're the podmaster. <laughs> the, the podmaster. You know, we got the scoremeister. Sure. We got the, you know, vaultmeister. You know, maybe the podmeister. I like it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'd be honored. I really would be honored. I mean, you know. I listen to the show. I think you're pretty biased and, you know, you, you ask the right questions. And, you know, I'm, I'm always interested in the positive and the negative and, and other people's experiences. And, and there is so much I do not know that it's, it's sort of easy for me, I think for anybody really to, to hear one side of a conversation and just assume that that's, you know, be all end all. And you know, that, that conversation is just done. And I'll give you an example. Huh. You know, what, what I can't ever find out really is, you know, some of the back and forth with some of Frank's um, band members, you know, where there's ill feelings, you know, I just know the history of maybe what my mother thought or I've read what other people have said, you know, and somewhere in there, what always is interesting to me and is like, you know, what was, what were the issues and what were the real problems and how can we sort of overcome them? You know, you know, I'd like, I'd like to see a lot of, um, you know, people that have played with Frank and, and a lot of the, the, sort of the negativity kind of all disappear. You know, I want to try to get to the bottom of a, a bunch of those things. And, and, and I, I think it would be great to have a forum such as yours, certainly on the, on the Zappa forum, sure. um, to kind of debunk or, or celebrate the bunkiness of certain things. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's, 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 it's interesting. I know there's, there's, there's people with hard feelings that certainly again, played with Frank and I'm not like a, pure Zappa historian. I go, I go to Joe and I ask him like, okay, what's the deal here? And like, okay, well, have we ever talked with them or what's going on? So it's been pretty great when I've reached out to certain people that have played with Frank or, uh, you know, or, or trying to get other assets that maybe that we don't have or some of the art to hear these stories. Like all of it's new to me uh -huh. um, in a good way. Meaning like when I get to speak with anyone, I love hearing people's stories, especially if they spent time with, with Frank. Um, you know, like I'll give you an example. There's, you know, Al Malkin, right? Yeah. Who I think is hilarious. <laughs> he is. Somewhere in the vault is is all the stuff he did with Frank. And when I was talking with him, and I I knew him as a kid. You know, I'd go to New York, and uh, he'd be driving Frank around, and you know, he he drove me around, and. I mean, I spent a lot of time with this guy, so I have just nothing but love for him. And uh, in speaking with him, I had no idea the extent of the work that he did with Frank and, and just some of the, the audio that I'm trying to track down that's probably pretty hilarious that should see the, the light of day, you know, or the Wildman Fisher record or the Eric Bogosian project. You know, there's, there's all these things. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck? Like, where, what are these things? Like, it's all new to me. You know, so 
I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, as I stepped into this, you know, role, you know, Gail lived it side by side with Frank, right? So she was there, she knew everything about it. For the most part, you know, I have to ask the people that were there that, that cause I can't ask my mother now, or, you know, Joe knows a lot of things, but it's, it's, I'm going on the same sort of journey online of like, okay, what's going on? And, you know, that's why I, I really love hearing from, from the fans and having, I will always have conversations about Frank so I can ask more questions and expand my, my knowledge on, on things. Cause for me, Frank and, and my, and, and Gail were my parents, you know what I mean? I wasn't involved in their, in their business. I, I didn't have that kind of relationship. You know, it was, it was always about what we were doing together. You know, I got to be a fly on the wall for some amazing experiences for sure. But it was like two different worlds. So it, it, again, it's like being a archaeologist of a family archaeologist going, you know, going through the media that we have and, and the people I, I now speak with. I am so hungry to hear from people that had these relationships with Frank because it feels good to hear those stories. Good and bad, you know, it's the kind of thing where you're like, I can't believe he did that. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are a few of those, uh, you know, there are a few examples of, uh, you know, I mean, it's good for, and bad. And for sure. It's the business, you know. And so, um, Frank, as the, the master, for a long time, he was, you know, he did have Herb Cohen, but... I mean, it would be fair to say that he took a greater interest after what happened with, with Herb Cohen. He did have Bennett as his second manager, but he became more of a businessman, I think. And so, you know, he took more... Are you talking about Frank? Yeah, and he, he sort of took well, more of a well, role I, in that way. Then. I can tell you what, what I think is interesting is certainly Frank was a, definitely a business mind and uh, a futurist, in my opinion, mm -hmm. in, in so many you know, uh, areas of business. And the person who doesn't get a lot of credit, right, mm -hmm. is truly my, my mother, because this is someone who was a rear admiral's daughter. Uh, there are so many reasons why Frank and Gail were together and stayed together for, you know, certainly Frank's entire life and why Gail was always so devoted to him. I mean, the, the two of them, we're also, you know, very science-minded. Clearly, to have the family that we have, they shared the same core values on, you know, everything. I mean, I can tell you, as a new parent, <laughs> I marvel at the choices I make as a father are totally based on how I was how I was raised, right? And I, it's polarizing when you kind of look at the norm and then you look at the choices they made at, at the times that they made them. You know, I got to say, it really was a real partnership. Where if Frank was on the road all of the time, you know, certainly while I was alive or firstborn or, um, you know, at the very beginning, as Gail was, you know, taking on more of uh, uh, the business, mm -hmm. it's kind of incredible the things that they pioneered together. And, and, and Frank couldn't have done it without Gail. I fully and, agree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that people, you know, want to, I, I know a lot of people have some negative feelings about my, my mother and, you know, which, I, which I personally don't understand. But then again, I have a totally different relationship um, with, you know, she is my mother versus the way that I think other people potentially perceive her as Frank Zappa's wife and, and how she ran the estate. And like, there's, you know, there's, 
tons of other things. Unless you lived it and know the day to day, it's a totally different experience. But but Gail really was in total service of Frank and pioneered so many things right alongside of him. You know, where Frank as the artist gets the credit, but I got to tell you, you need a team behind you. Um, you know, it, it really does take a village, and it's it's about the support system that Frank always had around him that enabled him to achieve and do the things that he achieved in his life, you know? And he really had uh, the best partner I think he could have with, with Gail.
Do you remember Gail become, because the impression that I have is that Gail got more involved, say, as the 80s went on, and she may very well Mm -hmm. have been a force in terms of um, being side-by-side with Frank, in terms of his, you know, helping to facilitate his creative endeavors and all that stuff. I mean, could have been going back to 66 when they met. Um, Do you remember her becoming more involved in business? That's all I remember. Oh, okay. And, And Gail... You know, the, the business was run out of the house. Um, so it, it really was the Frank and Gail show. It was definitely the Frank show. And it was, you know, all right, all right, Gail would help to figure out how, you know, Frank could achieve, you know, the, the goals that he was after. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it really was, it's, it's a family business. Sure. You know, in that sense. And that, and this is after Bennett and, uh, you know, other people that, you know, I met as a kid and they were certainly in our, in our universe, but really Gail, I think there was just things that transpired and, you know, Frank could trust Gail more than he could trust anyone else yep. at the end of the day. And and that's, I gotta say, Frank's sort of greatest business successes, uh, certainly financially were when Gail took over, you know? Sure. And I I would say that, you know, Gail, uh, you know, it's important for people to remember Gail never abandoned Frank. I mean, till till the day she herself passed, you know, she remained committed to Frank and um, committed to his work and, um, you know, committed to things that people kind of take for granted, like putting out product for the you know for the fans to enjoy wasn't necessarily something that she had to do, but she did it. And, uh, you know, I think it's important for people to remember that. If I'm being totally honest, I think, you know, for her, it was the thing that kept him alive for her, you know. And maybe it's the same thing I'm going through as I get to discover these tapes and hear these, these, you know, the audio. For her, it was probably the memory of actually being there, right? And, and bringing back all of these other sort of feelings or, you know, because they would talk all the time and, you know, it's a totally different experience. She was, you know, after he passed, she was married to a ghost, you know, yeah. and I, I can tell you, you know, my experience is it's all kind of new. It's just me kind of, you know, I've blathered on about this incessantly, but it's, it's me reconnecting with my, with my father and, you know, that feels great. And I get to hear hear this audio and I, I love hearing him laugh and, and his sense of humor and I marvel at his musicianship and, you know, but, but I, I think it was definitely different for Gail because she was present through, you know, the majority of everything. Whereas, you know, I only came into existence in the middle of the seventies. So it's a different relationship. But then um, I can also say as, as, you know, her son, I think that she never had the opportunity to find someone else that she could have, you know, fallen in love with because of how deeply in love she was with, with Frank and, and how fiercely loyal and protective. And, you know, it was sometimes kind of hard to, to sit back and, you know, and watch those things. So certainly the business would go up and down and, and, you know, and, and those were all of her stresses. Sure. You know, it was all on her shoulders and, and, you know, and, and, and fighting for ultimately what she thought was right for, for Frank. And I find myself, 
you know, just as a, as a co-trustee of, of the trust, you know, doing this, those same things and, and, and trying to look at, you know, I have different positions uh, on, on how I feel about certain things in the business than, than, than Gail does or did, I should say. But because she grew up in a, the record industry and as it evolved into what it is now, and I was more, you know, grew up seeing it or peripherally being involved in it or, you know, involved in making music with my brother, certainly, but still done, you know, through our family label and all that stuff. So we were kind of protected in, in so many ways from a lot of the, uh, shenanigans that can, that can happen. Sure. You know, I don't know. I'm, I feel like I'm, I don't know if I'm making any sort of sense. But oh, no, of course just, talking with you, I'm, I'm reminiscing about so many, so many different things. But I, I think it. I think it was really. It couldn't have been all that easy, you know. And this is me comparing my own experiences in my own life and, and my own kinds of relationships that I've had with people, and certainly with my wife. And you know, I can't imagine what it would have been like to be married to someone who would go out on the road and you know, loved women and and made so much music. And it, it takes a very certain a special kind of person to 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 be in a in that kind of a relationship very strong woman definitely was really smart really smart really really smart and she had um you know as i always say she had one of the best bullshit detectors i've ever seen you know she could (laughs) you know when somebody presented an idea and she thought it was bullshit she was not afraid to call you on it and she was you know but you know what i i think too it's the it's the way in which she uh, the business, the nature of the business that as a woman, you know, the position that she was in and, and certainly her experiences through the 70s and 80s and, you know, in the music industry and being responsible for the business, I, I think that there was less trust uh, at, the, at the beginning, right? So her bullshit detector was... You know, she was always kind of on on alert, uh-huh. um, and you know, we I think we grew up in a little bit of a state of of protective borderline paranoia of, of like, okay, what what does this person really want, uh-huh. and how are they going to take advantage? Because I think a lot of that transpired, and you know, I really try, and let's see how this works out. I'm <laughs> I am taking a different approach to where. I look at people that are very passionate about Frank Uh and I want to be able to harness that passion and try to get into business relationships with, with those individuals because I, I I want to have faith that people will do the right thing, you know, and, and not be negative and, and certainly, you know, do things for all the wrong reasons. I don't know. She, even when I was would work with my mother, there would be the the scenario where like, well, you know, I don't know if I can trust that person, and it, it took a lot to earn her trust. Mm-hmm. And I don't again, I I I I just can't do business that way. In in that, I'm and maybe I will learn these hard lessons. I've certainly had some pretty shitty ones in my own business dealings, but mm-hmm. uh, I still feel like you know things can. Things can always work out, you know?
I wanted to ask you one question because I because um, I want to get to the to the listener questions because I know <laughs> oh oh because because we've just been talking like you're in some therapy session <laughs> <laughs> yeah just because I'm throwing out with you I'm like I I just literally had the thought like what does this fucking have to do with anything that a Zappa fan would actually be interested in instead of you know yeah let's talk about some Frank stuff I think I think it's very interesting <laughs> I wanted to ask you now you don't have to do this but. Speaking of therapy, in one word, if you'd pick mm -hmm. a word to describe the following members of your family, <laughs> and sure. um, we'll start, well, let's start with Dweezil. Just any word that comes up top of your head. Brilliant. Completely agree. Uh, Diva. Sweetheart. That works. Uh, Moon. Hilarious. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, Gail. Oh, the thing that popped in my mind was matriarch, but I feel like that does her a disservice. I, I, for my mother, I mean, I always called her Gail. This is what would actually make me cry. Like the thing, I, I would just the mom. Like I say that, and like I now I have. Thank you for this session. <laughs> I really appreciate it. You know, sure. I, I gotta say, like, really towards the end of, cause she, she, she was tough, you know, she was total mama bear, mm -hmm. but, uh, towards the end of her, her life, you know, um, I at least wanted to have, ask as many questions and, and if I had any unresolved issues or anything like that, I, I really took the effort to spend the time with her and ask those questions and try to get some answers. And she really, she just loved our daughter so much. My, my wife and I, you know, I cherish those moments. So I, I, I immediately flash back because it's just still so soon and calling her Gail my entire life, Frank and Gail, I never called them mom or dad. She really became mom at the end of, you know, her. Yeah. So. Oh, that's awesome. And Frank, mutant, mutant. I mean, full, and I mean that in like like the fucking X Men kind of a way. Yeah, like full on Charles Xavier, fucking mutant. Like like, I'll give you a better word, musician. A fucking musician. That's what the fucking guy. He is a musician. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's that's very cool. <laughs>
Okay, so you ready to take a couple of listener questions here? Yeah. Okay. I don't know how many of these you can or, or will be able to answer, but... From Steve in the UK. This is... Um, a, here's one that you probably do know. Tell us of your involvement in writing Frogs with Dirty Little Lips. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a real easy one. So... <sighs> There, there's a couple moments in my life that, in the, the similar situations to where I want to say rat tamago, chalk pie, frogs with dirty little lips. Those are all experiences that I had with, you know, with my dad, right? So frogs with dirty little lips were, you know, it was me. I, I got, I, I want to say the guy's name was Muzzy, right? Not to be confused with that infomercial from a few years back that helped kids spell. But uh, I don't know if you ever saw that. It was brilliant. Yeah, I did. But so, so Muzzy brought me a bucket full of tadpoles at, just as they were turning into baby frogs, right? And I was obsessed. And, and I, I want to say that, you know, Frank was like, hey, well, you know, <laughs> what do you got there? It was a big red bucket with a few rocks in it and some pond scum and, you know, all these tadpoles. And he's like, well, you know, what do you got in there? And I was describing how cute I thought they were and with their, you know, frogs with dirty little lips because they had these big smiles, you know, and I was just kind of going on and on about how, you know, cute they are and gross, gross cute and things of that nature. And he... Is with so many fond memories I have of Frank, is like if I could get him to laugh or chortle, you know, he would just kind of like, you know, he he called me Bubba. He's like, well, you know, what do you got there, Bubba? Uh, yeah, frogs with dirty little lips happened uh, because of this construction worker at the house that brought me a bucket full of baby frogs, and then I let them all go in the garden. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> But uh, I don't know if anyone was curious about, you know, rat tamago or chalk pie. Uh, yes. We were, had a conversation about, well, it's like the grossest thing you could imagine. And, you know, my answer to Frank uh, was chalk pie. Because uh, I, just the idea of that in, in your in your mouth, all of it, just disgusting. Uh, so that's how that came about. And then um, rat tamago was uh, 4th of July. Or maybe it was New Year's. It was some night where there was going to be fireworks. And there was construction. I was six, maybe five. And uh, there was construction in where my mother's um, uh, mother and father's bedroom was. Yeah. They're remodeling the house at one point. And where Frank uh, had set up the studio had then become the temporary uh, bedroom. So it was really exciting when you're like five to maybe be able to go crash, you know, with your parents in a new place right in front of the TV. It was like, it was a whole new kind of kick-ass setup, yeah. you know, right in front of a fireplace. And, uh, so we were all upstairs drawing and I, uh, drew these pictures and I brought down downstairs to share with, uh, you know, my mom and dad. And, um, they asked me what this one picture was and I told them it was a rat tamago and he fucking laughed so hard um, that my mother made my father and I uh, matching Rat Tamago t-shirts, which I have framed uh, and hung on the wall. Uh, I'll send you a pic. Yeah. And you can see just how tiny Frank was and how huge. <laughs> right? Because they basically look like they're the same size t-shirts. Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty hilarious.
Let's dive right into the next one. On which Steve Vai track do you appear on the Sex and Religion album? Oh, what was I thinking? I don't remember the name of the title. That's that's also super embarrassing. I mean, I could <laughs> I could Google it right now. I'm just trying to. Uh, is it? I want to say is it Pig? I mean, is this? Are you quizzing me? I want to say it's a song called Pig, but I could be wrong. I think I remember singing singing about uh, a pig. But I can I can tell you that that was a that was a really I, I mean fun experience, nerve wracking experience because Steve is so wonderful, mm-hmm. and my brother idolized him, my father loved him, so I had I had all these emotions of you know spending so much time with him as a, as a kid, like you're just wanting to impress him and you know, do, do a good job. That was a, that was a really nerve wracking, uh, experience. I loved it. I felt like, wow, this is so, cause I I'd never really listened to his music other than, you know, when he was playing with Frank. Uh-huh. So I, I, I guess I walked into the, that recording, uh, experience thinking it was going to be something different. You know, it was, it, it was, it was pretty awesome, though, being in his studio, working with him. He was so kind, so generous. It was, it was fun. I, I want to say it was a song pick. I could totally be wrong. Woo! 
He also wanted to know about two other bands you've been involved with, Sleeps Nine and the Idiot Civils. Yeah, so Sleeps Nine and the Idiot Civils were kind of the same. I, I, I was trying to go on a naming journey. I'm just never really happy with with the with the names, but there was different band members. Um, but for the most part, it was a lot of what I would say uh, since I was in all those iterations. A lot of the same kind of music that we were playing. They weren't they weren't too different in terms of uh, in terms of the tracks, but I played with some really you know people I'm 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 still very close with to this day. Yeah, you know that's awesome. Um, now here's here's two of the of difficult questions, and you can you can choose not to answer these. <laughs> Has the Zappa Family Trust placed any obstacles in the way of Dweezil releasing any Frank compositions? Well, no. I mean, in terms of the, as long as as long as it's just kind of done in in the normal fashion, then there's no there's no. It's the same scenario for anyone who wants to to do it. I think that there's you know, what people don't understand is that when you have, let's say, a partnership with like like we do with Cobalt, who's our publisher, uh-huh. uh, or Universal, who's you know our distributor and partner in crime we have to do things in accordance with with our partners Uh because they're exclusive partnerships and they're really in conjunction with you know it's 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 frank so as much as i would love for any one of us who are the son uh, sons or daughters of frank or gail like we have parameters the collective we Uh and you know, to the extent that we all can, you know, do something. Dweezil can do something. Moon, Diva. We all have the same obstacles, sure. which are not really obstacles. You just have to do it in the right way. Uh, I think the question is whether you want to do it the right way. You know, so there's nothing stopping anybody, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, as long as you're doing it, uh, you know, in in the appropriate uh, manner that respects our business partnerships and and you know again just like it's a business it, it just has to make sure that all the right players get you know let's as an example if we don't want to record a piece of music that 
someone other than Frank also wrote the music on. We got to make sure because we have a bigger responsibility as the, you know, as the trust and certainly as because he's Dweezil Zappa, you know, to make sure that all those things are done appropriately. Right. I think there's just more of a spotlight on us doing it the right way every time. Right. I mean, like that's the pressure I feel is that, you know, um, everything needs to be hunky dory. So, no. So the answer is there's no, there's nothing stopping. Uh, there's no hurdle or obstacle. It's just do it, do it correctly. Yeah. Do it in the way. Yeah, exactly. There's your answer. Um, and the other difficult question, did the Zappa family trust prevent, uh, Dweezil Zappanal set from being broadcast live? This is the first time I've ever heard of, uh, such a statement. No, <laughs> that that's a, I didn't even know that, that was a thing. No, I didn't. Am either. I being am I being accused of that one now too? Uh, yeah, yeah. Nope. I <laughs> haven't heard. I I will tell you, I haven't heard that one. This is the first time I'm hearing it. But uh... no, my my preference actually, like, there's all this. Like, my mother had. Um, I think issues which I'm trying to get to the bottom of uh, with, you know, Zappanal. I keep calling it Zappanale. I don't know. Maybe because I can't speak English very well. But um, so Zappanal. No, like it's it's like this weird position to be in, I think, to where I love everyone's passion about playing Frank's music. Mm-hmm. I just I just my my preference is let's just do it. You know, even even with Zappanal, I if, if again it feels weird saying it that way because I literally my entire life have called it Zappanale or since it's been in existence. It would just be better if we were, you know, doing it together. Is my is my feeling. So you know, I, I mean, maybe in the future that'll be something that there'll be a better relationship with the Zappa Family Trust and and that experience because I mean we have. I, I, again, going back to what I was saying earlier in terms of, in terms of putting together this content management system, we've discovered so much. There's, I, I, I mean, if people want to see imagery or, you know, I feel like that's the best benefit of doing it in conjunction. You know, anybody that wants to do a project that's Zapper related is, you know, I'm of the mindset, you know, let's figure out how we can do it together because I can support it with so many assets. Sure. You know, so that's really sort of my point of view it's not about telling people no it's about all right like hey you have a good idea let's let's see if we can make it better by combining our critical thinking and you know um let's let's try to understand the scope of things how can we make a better fan experience so for what i love is people's passion and i think when you know that when people are passionate about something you know i do think there's a way uh that you can put um projects together that tick all the boxes that deliver the best experience, but then are, are done, you know, where as an example, you know, if we have trademarks or copyrights or, you know, all of those things, Uh you know, it's all based on Frank's music. So my whole thing is let's just make sure it's done appropriately because honestly, it's really helpful for the trust to, to protect Frank in that way. And I think people misunderstood any kind of beef that's ever been out there, whether it's with my mother or, or anyone else uh, of like what the deal is, you know, like we have, we invested a significant amount of money in being able to protect Frank's legacy. Uh So for the most part, when you, when projects come about, 
it's literally the easiest thing to do. It's like, okay, make sure you've, you know, labeled everything correctly. Um, you know, it has the appropriate marks and all of that. Like, that's what I, you know, that's what I mostly get up in arms about. It's like, it's, it's like, it's just got to do it the right way. And we can figure out, you know, all the other things uh, around that. Uh, I mean, like, that's like the, that's the big thing because it's, it's to no one. I don't want to be a, you know, a Zappa cop. Yeah. That's like, that takes up a lot of time and resources. So my point is if I, I, anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you are passionate about Frank and you want to do a project, it's really easy. Reach out to me and, uh, let's, let's figure something out. to ask you what is the best way to reach you by email so if if anybody has any projects they want to discuss with you yeah the the easiest way to do that is info at zappa.com and you know we go through those you know inquiries there and you know i really i try to get back to people in a timely fashion and certainly other people here in the office um definitely do and, you know, more often than not, when something cool comes across my desk, I wind up giving that person a call. Yeah. So we have like a, an announcement I think is coming out, so maybe I'll just kind of spoil it. I'll just give, I'll give you an example. Someone actually found me on LinkedIn, right? Or e- emailed me at Facebook, not that I'm really ever on there. I can't remember how that person got to me. But he makes these really awesome enamel pins. He's got this company called Rockin' Pins. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. And he's like, I'd love to do some Zappa ones. I'm like, well, are you local? Why don't you come to the office? And he's super, super, super nice guy. Um, I love the the small business, you know, nature of, of how he does things. And, you know, he's making some really cool quality pins. So... Very soon, there's going to be uh, a little little announcement. Again, as, as an example, reached out appropriately. It's like, hey, how can we do this? 
we've been going back and forth now for the last you know couple of weeks uh, in terms of you know cool designs and you know we'll see hopefully people will enjoy the pins and we'll do a bunch more if people are into them but it it's really that simple because i if people are passionate i respond to people's passion about oh i'd like to do x y or z sure. and more often than not i'm like that sounds really cool Let's try to make it happen. Awesome. Next question from Kalissa in Buffalo. Hi, Amit. Thank you for being part of ZappaCast. My name is Kalissa from Buffalo, New York. I played sax and sang with the Zappa tribute band Voice of Cheese. And full disclosure, at the 2008 Zappanelli show in Germany, I was part of the anti-aggressive action band, also known as the Underground Sensation. Frank Zappa has been an inspiration since way back when I was in high school, when my friend Tina Peel and I wrote him a letter, and he answered us back personally. It was like our own little teeny bopper Edgar Varese moment. I'm hopeful, as you must be too, that we can keep Zappa's music alive long into the future. Are there any plans for a Zappa museum, where you could house, display, and preserve Frank's legacy? Also... I would love to see a Zappanelli USA festival. We really need that. So I hope you can let me know what your thoughts are on that. And thanks again. Well, let's let's go through that. Uh, good to hear from you, Calissa. So first topic, uh, Zappa Museum. If someone was interested in doing a Zappa Museum, I, I don't know, uh, we would try to open up like a a Zappa Graceland. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but uh, I mean, we do get requests as an example here in Los Angeles. They don't have too many things from, from uh, the estate, but there's the Italian heritage museum here. And, you know, we, we gave them some things and, you know, when people ask if we have them, you know, I, I don't mind getting, getting people things that they want to display in, in, in their museums. But another way of saying this, the thing that would excite me more is because we have all these multimedia, well, I should say, because we have all these photo assets and video assets and all this audio, we could probably put together a really awesome multimedia uh, experience, Zappa experience, which, you know, I, I would say the, the chances of that happening are greater than there being a sort of a brick-and-mortar stationary place where people from, you know, all over the place can go to see Zappa things, Yeah, you know, in the States, in, in Vilnius, um, there's, you know, I'm trying to see, you know, what's possible. They, they reached out, they want to do something there, which I think would be amazing opposite, um, you know, Frank's statue. So, you know, we, we do get requests, but it, it's like a tricky way of answering that in, well, who, who pays for it and how does it sustain itself and things of that nature that people probably don't want to talk about or think about. But that's what those are the things I have to think about to, to bring those things into existence. Sure. You know, but I mean, I, I would love it if there was someone out there that wanted to do it. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe someone wants out there wants to do it. Cool. Let's let's you know we have we certainly have a lot of stuff we could put there and that people could experience. So that's my answer for that. And then uh, a Zappanali like or Zappanali like experience in the U.S. I think that's a great idea. You know, I think part of what I'm trying to do with the hologram tour is the jumping off point for something 
you know, that could turn into that. I mean, really what the hologram experience will be is this really bizarre, like the bizarre world of Frank Zappa. And, you know, aside from just hearing great music with uh, the players that people know and love that play with Frank, you know, I, I just, I love the science fiction mind of my father and the visuals that he conjured up. Um, and, you know, we have, I think I've may, maybe mentioned this before, but, you know, in the early 70s, he rented the soundstage. We kind of internally call it the Primor shoot because of, uh, you know, the production company that my father hired. Yeah. Um, but it's this, it's this show. It, it, I, I want to say it's either a couple of weeks or maybe either a couple of weeks before or a couple of weeks after the Roxy performances, actually. Mm-hmm. And so we have all of these isolated uh, moments of video and all of the audio, and, I mean, like hours and hours. And I, I can definitely see this being, it's a hidden gem. I mean, at some point, you know, I'm working out the details to, to bring this out uh, as a, you know, as, as a you know concert film. But the basis of certainly the performances, because we have all these multi angles, you know, that's going to be the basis of of Frank's hologram. So you know, you'll it's it's really it's it's him. It's what he shot. And then as we kind of the jumping off point from there, uh, you know, it'll be Frank on stage performing from from these you know elements of this performance. But from there, uh, you know, you'll start seeing you know, other visuals, other uh, kinds of forms of media uh, that are, I think, very in line with the things my, you know, my father created will take new form and shape uh, holographically on the stage. So as, as that is something that's out there, I, I would like to have, you know, some of the opening acts can be other people that perform Frank's music. And to the extent that, uh, you know, well, we have toured, uh, toyed around with doing like a kind of like a, you know, a Zappa festival, uh, just where to do it, you know, yeah. for me, I, again, this is kind of where I nerd out because Frank has so many records. It'd be so awesome, I think, to have this kind of festival like experience to where you might see one band play one record, another band play, <clears throat> you know, freak out. The next band plays, you know, uh, Zoot Lures, uh, but it's like this, you know, a, a, a really crazy way of experiencing, you know, the history of Frank. And so to kind of compartmentalize all of that, you know, that wishful thinking, that's what, that was sort of the approach with the bizarre world of, of Frank, of these moments in time, different aesthetics. That's, I mean, that's what we're really hard at work, you know, figuring out right now. And certainly the different players and different dates uh, around the world and all of that. So uh, next year will be uh, a really cool year of, you know, Zappa experiences. There's a lot of stuff we're working on. upon a time way back a long time ago when the universe consisted of nothing more elaborate than Mark Bolman oh thank you Frank and don't misspell that that's not Mark Bolin that's Mark Bolman 
Hiya, friends. I want to welcome each and every one of you. I want to say to you tonight, I feel great. I mean, I feel great. Everywhere I go, people are always coming up to me and they say, Mark, Mark, Mark. Mark, Mark, Mark. Mark, are you kidding? Let me tell you this, friends. I am not kidding. I mean, I am portly and I am maroon. Well, how many people here tonight can guess what I am? Uh, I can't I guess mean. what you are. Well, then I'll give you some clues. And the first clue is, I am portly. Does that help? Not much. No. I don't know who you are. Okay, I got one. Clue number two. I am double knit. Does that help? No, not much. What do you mean? Well, then I have to give you one more clue. I know this is going to give it away, and I hate, like, damn, to tell you this. But clue number three. Ich bin maroon. Ah, you're a sofa. Way back a long time ago, when the universe consisted of nothing more elaborate, than Mark Volman trying to convince each and every member of this extremely hip audience here tonight that he was nothing more, nothing less than a fat maroon sofa suspended in the midst of a great emptiness. A light shine down from heaven. And there he was, ladies and gentlemen, the good Lord. And he took a, he took a look at the sofa. And he said to himself, quite an attractive sofa. This sofa could be commercial. Thank you, Frank. With a few more margaritas in the right company. However, I digress. What this sofa needs, said the big G, is a bit of flooring underneath of it. And so, in order to make this construction project possible, he summoned the assistance of the Celestial Corps of Engineers, and by means of a cute little song in the German language, which is the way he talks whenever it's heavy business, the good Lord went something like this, take it away, Jim Pons. Give to me. Etwas Fußboden belang unter diesem fetten fließenden Sofa. Ladies and gentlemen, that means give unto me a bit of flooring under this matte floating sofa. And sure enough, boards of oak appeared throughout the emptiness as far as vision permits, stretching all the way from Belfast to Bogner Regis. And the Lord put aside his huge cigar and proceeded to deliver unto the charming maroonish sofa the bulk of his message. Wow. 
With the assistance of a small electric clarinet, and it went something like this. Andreas Smedgard in Copenhagen in Denmark. My questions for Amit are, has he spent a lot of time rummaging through the archives himself, maybe along with Joe, or does Joe regularly present him with a list of findings to consider along with Joe's recommendations? So, it's more the latter. Joe is so familiar with the content. We certainly have conversations about, you know, what's in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was one of the first things I, I had to do when, you know, I, I uh, was thrust into this position of like, okay, what do we have? What, you know, I know the era of Frank's performances that I like, so I'm always kind of on the quest for, um, you know, I love the Philly 76 record. I love Bianca's performances like that. That to me, you know, I'm, that's my unicorn, right? I want to find more of those kinds of moments. Those are just great shows. So, 
you know, Joe really has been living inside the vault. I think that's his second home. So he, he knows more. I can basically say to him, Hey, what, do you have something that's like X, Y, or Z? And then he can, you know, he's, he's like got it on recall. Right. Uh-huh. So then he can go and pull it and then we can hear it. But no, I don't really go into, uh, into the vault and it, it, that would be like a, I mean, I could, I could do that anytime. Like, Oh yeah. Well, you know, what are those tapes over there? Joe's much more familiar and we can have a conversation. So I'm not physically going into the vault and, and pulling the stuff potentially. Like if someone said if a fan wrote and said, Hey, I want to hear this show, you know, I mean, I think that's the, that would be the ultimate goal. Like, let me see if we have it. And here you go. Here it is. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, the other question he had was what has been the biggest surprise when taking over the ZFT, apart from the sibling rivalry and the fan hostility, something that you didn't think would be part of the job. I mean, maybe maybe I'm just an eternal optimist. I, I I feel like fan hostility. No one's spoken to me. I mean, it's, it, these are easy conversations to have. Where I actually I don't put too much energy into that. You know, I feel like if anyone spoke with me and uh, anyone who's mad, anyone who have who's been vocal that I happen to run into, it's a non-issue, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't like that people have the wrong uh, understanding of things, um, and I think just over time, people will have a better understanding, uh-huh. so maybe that's a tad frustrating. As it would be. I mean, the, the, the thing, the, yeah, the thing that I think is the most surprising is is really how much I love it. I didn't, I didn't have any context for it, right? So... Uh, seeing the pictures and the video and the, and the audio, like I really didn't know how much I would enjoy it. And, and working on, you know, like making the, the Halloween box set, that was really, that was like a big moment for me. Where I was like, I really love everyone that I work with here at Zappa, and uh, it's it's a it's a labor of love. I mean, it's I don't know how else to to describe it since I, <laughs> you know what I mean? I I, I don't. Uh, I don't know. I just, I just, it's a part of me at this point. Um, but I, all, it's, it's really the best part of the job in, in all honesty is fans where if they want something explained, you know, because I, I don't mind the, you know, if someone, the negativity or the positivity, I mean, like I, I want to try to get as much information because I feel like I get closer to my father, uh, when I have these conversations and I feel like it's something I share with the fans, you know, like I, I, it's really kind of surreal in that, you know, a lot of the, the way that the fans feel about Frank, I relate to it because I feel the same way, but it's, it's, it's like compounded because he's my father uh-huh. and that was never in focus until I was, uh, until I have the job that I have now. Right. Sure. You know what I mean? It was just something that was a part of me where, where, but now that I have this greater sort of responsibility, it just kind of frames it up for me. It's a super long, again, I'm such a blatherer, but it's a long winded way of saying that was probably the best thing that I, I didn't know that I would have those feelings of how much I enjoy it. I mean, I think some of that fan hostility just comes from the passion that people have for Frank and his music. And, you know, it's unfortunate that some of it, you know, is somewhat misguided, but you know, yeah, listen, you know, it it is definitely misguided. It's an issue that, you know, I mean, if you, if we're being specific about, you know, Dweezil or, or moon and how they feel, 
I, I, a part of me can relate to that, that they weren't left in charge of the trust. I, I get it. They, that, that hurts their feelings. You know, it's not something I did to them. And it's not something I lowered over them either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like a reality that they that have to come to grips with. And, you know, I think it's, it certainly hurts me because I lost my mother. I've already lost my father. Yeah. But then, you know, with the decisions of how the trust were laid out because they don't agree with them, and that they all of a sudden their, their anger is towards me because I was left into this position. Something I chose. Mm-hmm. That's a very different scenario. That's something they have to rectify with the choices my mother made. And I think there's a lot of projection of like you know, fuck you to me. Yeah. You know, in 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 that in that situation, and it's it's really unfortunate. It hurts my feelings. Uh, but I think you know, over time, I love them. They're my it's my brother and older sister. So uh, I feel like er- everything will going to work itself out, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, this is um, a, a great opportunity because you're, you know, you're talking directly to the fans. So that I love that. That's great. Well, I, I think that th- that's like, it, you know, I, I think people actually want to have things explained to them and to the extent that I can. And, you know, I'm certainly open to doing that. Someone reached out to me which I thought was really great, and, I, and I, I should follow up with him. He was coming into town. Uh, it was a fan who who was, you know, very vocal, like, you know, screw you, whatever. He was like, uh, he heard me on some radio station and said, you know, well, you said you'd meet with anybody. I'm like, I would, I would love to. Uh, I didn't actually get to physically see him. He came into Los Angeles. I'm like, well, uh, just because of, you know, scheduling. But I'm like, let's get a phone call. You know, I'd like to go on that journey. I'm again, I'm I'm interested in in people's opinions. And, you know, there's a lot of passionate people out there. It's helpful. You know, I want to hear what people want. You know, I know they want to hear the music. And that's that's certainly something I've never tried to stop anyone, anyone from doing. Uh, I've tried to get people to do it the right way. You know, um, and that's sort of the be all end all. It's like if you respect Frank, just respect, you know, the any artist has the same issue. It's not, you know, something unique for Frank. It's like if you respect any artist, um, you know, you just there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. And it's not complicated at all. It's like, you know, if you're passionate the most respectful thing you could always do is do it in the right way and by, you know, reaching out and, you know, doing everything in accordance to how things are done. And, you know, it's, it's pretty basic stuff. smart the universe is 
start You're gonna play it straight from the heart She gwine me enunciate you That's why you gotta find her, find her Sneak up behind her Rap like a mummy till you finally unwind her Find her, blind her See who designed her Like a dummy till you finally grind approach I have spewed is not the one for you. But believe me, later on you'll find as you impress her with your mind that you will just be left behind for a wiser fool. So you might as well find a Sneak up behind her Rap like a mummy Till you finally unwind her Find a blind See who designed her Act like a dummy Till you finally grind her Find a find her Sneak up behind her Rap like a mummy Till you finally unwind And that's our show. But before we go, take this golden opportunity to divulge the musical selections that you heard on this episode of the ZappaCast. We heard Rat Tamago from the Chic Your Booty album. Cheapness from the Roxy by Proxy album. Chalk Pie from the Guitar album. Catholic Girls from Have I Offended Someone. Sleep Dirt from the album Sleep Dirt. Night School from Jazz from Hell. Frogs with Dirty Little Lips from the Them or Us album. Justine from Road Tapes Venue Number 3. Little Girl of Mine from the You Can't Do That On Stage Anymore Volume 4 album. Once Upon a Time and Sofa from the You Can't Do That On Stage Anymore Volume 1 album. 
Find Her Finer from Zootalures, and a medley of King Kong, Chunga's Revenge, and Mr. Green Jeans from the Roxy by Proxy album. We want to thank you for listening to the show. We really appreciated having Amit come on, and we're going to have a part two with Amit in the near future where more of your listener questions will be answered. Till next time, thanks for listening to the ZappaCast.
and good night. And that's our show. The ZappaCast was produced and edited by Scott Parker. Production assistance by Joe Travers and Melanie Starks. This podcast and all of the musical selections contained therein are copyrighted worldwide by the Zappa Family Trust. All rights reserved. Big thanks to Ahmed Zappa and allatzappa.com. On behalf of the ZappaCast team, this is Scott Parker saying thank you for listening. And until next time, good night, boys and girls. It's been lovely working for you this evening. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.